Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. We have X, formerly known as Twitter. We have Facebook and we have Instagram. X, just type in at pigskin underscore frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, just type in pigskin frenzy. You'll find it. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. And Instagram, all you got to do is type in at pigskin frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates. You'll There's trivia questions on you know pigskin frenzy stories. Go and answer those. Those are fun. You can also uh, learn a little bit more about me. There's a bio about me on there, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Okay, college football day today, and we're going to do things a little bit different. Normally, I say let's talk about some coverage and highlights from across football and college football. We're not doing that, actually. We're doing a special edition episode of Pigskin Frenzy. It's a special Q&A episode. Uh, we've been promoting it all week. There's a video on social media that I talk about it on. Um, we're going to, you know, discuss it. We're going to, you know, dive deep into it, and I'm going to answer all your questions that you've been submitting, and we may actually get, you know, do a two-parter, because there's a lot of questions that have been submitted, and I'll have to, you know, probably divide the episodes up, and we may, you know, do a two-parter, do one, uh, answer a few questions on this episode, and then answer a few questions next Tuesday before we have our first breakdown of football games. So this is exciting, right? Two weeks away from college football, I'm excited. It's like sporting Christmas, Right. You're going to make me start singing the song again. It's the most wonderful time. Yeah, I'm already singing again. I'm sorry. Sorry that you got to hear that. But we're almost to the the finish line when it comes to the start of college football. Kickoff is on August 31st. Utah, Florida. Uh, We have Nebraska, Minnesota. We're going to have a lot of games that are on. And it's going to be exciting. Exciting opening weekend of football. So I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to give you my thoughts. And if you, listen, if you submitted a question and I don't answer it on this episode, don't be disappointed. I most likely will answer it on the next week's episode. So just sit back, relax, keep submitting questions, by the way, because we're gonna probably going to do another Q&A episode in the near future for NFL and college again. So, you know, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, leave comments down below, follow on face, uh, follow on Spotify, Podbean, leave comments as, uh, on there as well, and follow on X, Twitter, I'm sorry, formerly known as Twitter, X, Instagram, and Facebook for all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. So, Q&A time, right? Uh, Been hyping it up. Let's get it going. We're going to mix up a few, right? We're going to mix up a few, and we're not going to go by any particular order. I'm just going to just draw a name, you know, out of the hat, draw a thing out of the hat. So, you know, let's just get right down to it. A lot of these are about conference realignment. Interesting. I love that you want to talk about conference realignment because the past couple of weeks we've been talking about the Pac-12, right? So, I mean, what's going on down there? It's subjectively known to everybody else. It's the Pac-4. That's what everyone's been calling it because Stanford and eight and you know Cal and you know Oregon, Oregon State and Washington State are all there. Uh, but it's still the Pac-12 this season. 
everybody is still in the conference right now. So this season it will be the Pac-12. So let's just not let's just calm down on the talks for the Pac-4. But let's talk about you know realignment. Let's ask you know, and these questions are really interesting. And I mean, I really love the realignment questions. So I'm going to answer a few today. But let's start off with a pretty simple one. Uh, one viewer and one you know one viewer and uh, audience you know audience member who's listening to Pigskin Frenzy. A big thank you for listening and watching. Says this. Who is the toughest opponent for Alabama this season? That's a very good question to kick off with. There's two to answer your question. There's two. And if you want to know uh, who those two are, I will put it simply put. Texas, week two, and then the first Saturday of November, LSU. Those are the two toughest opponents for Alabama going into this season. Um, You know, you know, it, last year, if you want to look at last year, Texas almost, and believe it or not, did the unthinkable and beat Alabama, right? It was a home game for them in Austin, uh, Daryl K. Royal Stadium uh, in, you know, Hook'em Horns. Uh, Bevo was on the sidelines uh, watching, you know, the game. Uh, Quinn Ewers went down with a shoulder injury. Um, Hudson Card, the backup who was now at Purdue, uh, went and, you know, played the rest of the game. And he kept it close. But you almost got to think, you almost got to think, if there was no Bryce Young (laughs) and Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, what would that game would have looked like? We're about to find out this season. We're about to find out in week two in Tuscaloosa and Brian Denny, uh, week two, Saturday, September 9th. uh, We're going to, in the All-State Crossbar Classic, as they call it, we're going to find out what that result would look like. Is Alabama still going to win the game? Would Texas reign supreme? Because Texas, without Quinn Ewers, who hurt his shoulder earlier in the game, in that game, could have beaten Alabama. And I think Texas is going to, you know, they have a, a loaded offense. They have starting quarterback Quinn Ewers. They have, uh, you know, they have Xavier Worthy back. They have uh, Killian Robinson replacing B. John Robinson. They have uh, A.D. Mi- uh, AD Mitchell. From Georgia, the Georgia transfer receiver. Uh, they have a lot of guys and a lot of dogs on that team. So Texas is going to look good. It's the question is Alabama. What's going to look? What's it going to look like for Alabama? Who's starting for Alabama at quarterback? You already got the running game. You got Jace McClellan and uh, Roydell Williams. You have a lot of guys, you know, on that on that offense who are going to look good. You have a lot of guys on that defense who are going to be there. You got Malachi Moore back. You have uh, you have Kool-Aid McKinstry. You have Dallas Turner. Uh, there's a there's a, a few more guys. You also have a uh, freshman Caleb Downs at safety. He'll be rotating in and out. You have another one. You have Des Ricks there now. Uh, you have a lot of guys on that Alabama defense who could probably challenge that Texas offense. So it's a, it's, a, it's a key. It's just according to you know what we see September 9th. But I think Texas is going to present them a very tough matchup, just like they did last season. So. Texas, and then LSU. I think LSU is going to present a tough matchup for Alabama. I think that, you know, with Jaden uh, Daniels back, uh, they have Malik Neighbors. They got Brian Thomas. They got a loaded offense. Josh Williams, uh, John Emery are running back. They got a lot of guys on that offense who are solid. Mason Taylor is on that team as well. You got a lot of guys, a lot of offense who, who were clicking on all cylinders late last season, mid to late last season. Uh, they had a collapse, but that Citrus Bowl really told us something. It really told us that LSU is going to you know, become a juggernaut once again. They're going to keep rebuilding, and they finally could reach the mountaintop 
to a national title and a playoff berth. So we'll see what happens there. They also got a solid defense. They have Greg Brooks back. They have Mason Smith back from injury after tearing his ACL in the Florida State opener. They got him back. They got Harold Perkins, who arguably is probably probably the best defensive player in the SEC, could be in college football as well. So... LSU is going to present a tough matchup to them as well. It doesn't matter if it's at Tuscaloosa. The, the, the thing is, it doesn't matter, but it kind of does because Tuscaloosa at night is a tough place to play. That's the best thing for Alabama. That's the, the best advantage Alabama has. They have both of those games at home as well if you want to present a third option, Tennessee. But I would say Texas and LSU are the two toughest opponents for Alabama this season uh, on that schedule. Both at home, good advantage for Alabama, but still going to be tough against two caliber, you know, top-tier teams heading into this season. So, good question there. I'm sorry I went on about that for about four to five minutes, but good, good question there. Speaking of Texas, I have another Texas question. Um, And one viewer has asked, can Arch Manning beat out Quinn Ewers next year? My answer to that is this. Quinn Ewers probably will be heading to the NFL draft. And... I'm not saying that, you know, he is going to be, you know, heading to the draft. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he probably will be, right? I think that Arch Manning uh, will presumably be the starter next year. But I'm I'm just assuming that Art that Quinn Ewers has a solid season, potentially a could could be a Heisman winning season if, you know, they kick off a win against Alabama and probably will be a top choice, a top quarterback choice in the 2024 NFL Draft. Now, think about this, though. Think about this. If, big if, Quinn Ewers decides to come back for one more year, could Arch Manning beat out Quinn Ewers? Now, it's going to be tough. I will say that because it depends on if Quinn Ewers has a solid season, a Heisman winning season at that, and then, and then, decides, hey, you know what? I want to come back for one more year to up my draft stock, to be the number one pick or something like that, right? To win a national championship. He decides to come back. Does he beat out Arch Manning? I don't really see it, honestly. Uh, And plus, Quinn Ewers in the SEC would look kind of different, right? It would look definitely different. But I think Quinn Ewers would 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 beat Arch Manning out if he has. It's, it's depending on the season that he has, and if he has a solid season, like I said, then Quinn Ewers would definitely be Arch Manning out. In my take, that's just my take and my honest thoughts. I think Arch Manning is a solid quarterback coming out of high school, but here's the problem: we haven't heard much about him in a way that's kind of you know kind of iffy, right? I mean, you got to think about that for a second. If you're a Texas fan, you're kind of like, uh, okay, he's. He, he was hyped up to be the next in line, but then you have a solid quarterback behind him and Malik Murphy as well. Malik Murphy's a five-star caliber quarterback. Uh, you got to think about, you know, if, you know, Quinn Ewers does leave, what's the future looking like there? Is Arch Manning really the guy? Uh, at practice, at, sp- at spring practice, he looked good in some areas. He looked like he needed to improve in some areas. He, he, he needs to be, he's slowly adjusting to the game. I get it. He's a freshman, Right, and he's still a freshman. Just because he's a Manning behind his name, he's just a freshman, right? So, I I believe that Arch Manning uh, will eventually, you know, will catch lightning in a bottle, sort sort of speak. But I think it's going to take some time. 
honestly. Uh, and, I, and I think that's that's the concern for a lot of people right now because everyone, you know, is hoping that he would, you know, already be the guy that challenged Quinn Ewers right away. And what 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 it tells me is immediately after the spring game that Steve Sarkeesian names Quinn Ewers the starting quarterback for the 2023 season, that shows that Arch Manning right now isn't currently ready to be the starting quarterback at Texas. And that's not that's and it's not if for all the Arch Manning and Texas fans out there who want Arch Manning to start, you're probably listening to me and thinking this guy's you know be hating hating on Arch Manning. I'm not hating on Arch Manning. I'm just telling you the truth. It's the truth. I think Quinn Ewers is the guy right now. He's more experienced. He's uh he's got he's he's got the he's got the advantage. He has played the game in college before. He knows what he's doing. You know you got to hand the keys to him first. And then let Arch learn from him and learn behind him and then adjust slowly and mold him slowly into the game next year. I don't think Quinn Ewers is going to come back. To my honest, honest thoughts, I don't think Quinn Ewers is going to come back. I think Quinn Ewers is going to declare for the draft. And then Arch Manning will then beat out Malik Murphy or you know compete with Malik Murphy for the starting job. So the real question to me, I will flip that question, is can Arch Manning beat out Malik Murphy because I think Quinn Ewers will leave. Now I will be very, very shocked that if, if Quinn Ewers does come back, I'll be very shocked. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. <laughs> I hope it does. Um, but I think that uh, Quinn Ewers is going to go to the draft in my take, and then Arch Manning will presumably take over as the starting quarterback in 2024 when Texas heads to the SEC. So uh, another quarterback competition battle here, question here. Which quarterback gives Alabama the best chance to get back on top between Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, or Tyler Buckner? I've been thinking about that a lot. If you want to go with experience, overall experience, you got to look at Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer. If you look at Tyler Buckner, um, he knows Tommy Reed's playbook. He knows his scheme. He was at Notre Dame. He started last season. Uh, he caught lightning in the bottle and helped Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman win a lot of football games with Tommy Reed as the OC, and he looked good. He looked good doing it. Tyler Buckner uh, then left after Sam Hartman came in. Um, he... Sam Hartman, Wake Forest transfer, going to Notre Dame. Uh, Marcus Freeman has decided that he will start this season. And and rightfully so. No, Tyler Buckner thinks, hey, man, I could start anywhere. If I started here, I could start anywhere else. Then, you know, he's found out that Tommy Reese was going to Alabama. And then he thought, you know what? Maybe I'll try my luck here. I'm more comfortable here. I have an OC that I, I was under. Uh, I know the scheme. Might as well go here. Tommy Reese goes to Alabama. They uh, Nick Saban and Tommy Reeves recruit Tyler Buckner to come and transfer to Alabama. He didn't play in the spring game, but you know, he's looking he's you know, he's you know, made some strides at fall camp, but he hasn't separated himself, you know, right currently here in fall camp with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. Second part of that question of the answer. If you want to look at Alabama experience with Nick Saban, you got to look at Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow uh, started, uh, played the rest of the game against Arkansas, played against Texas A&M. He, uh, he, he made some errors, but he led him to a victory. The talent around him led him to the victory. Here's my thing. Uh, you got to go with either Jalen Milrow or you got to go with Tyler Buckner. I think all three of these quarterbacks are good. Don't get me wrong. I think all three of these quarterbacks are good. I think that Tyler Buckner may give him the best chance to win. However, 
I don't think they're going to be the three quarterbacks that are like a Bryce Young or a Tua Tungabailoa or a Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts to reach them, you know, as game changers to the top of the, you know, to, to, to the top of the chain. I think it's going to be a team effort. I think their playbook is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be like the Alabama of old where they ground and pound, they run the ball, smash mouth football, and you're good. They're going to make you try to quit, right? Tyler, Tyler Brooks said that the other day, offensive lineman for Alabama said, we want to make you quit. And that's their game plan now. So old pro style running back, running quarter, run first type of offense. And they're going to make you quit. Um, I think they can win with all three. I think the talent around them is too good. And uh, I think if you want to answer to the question, I think if I would choose between the three, Tyler Buckner would probably be my, my, my choice. However, I think that looking at it, I, I would say that the playmakers around them probably give them the best chance to win. But uh, best chance to get back on top, probably Tyler Bugner to answer your question there. So that was a good good old Alabama question. Here we go. Here's a here's one here's a good question right here. Will Georgia three Pete? That is a one view one viewer said. Will Georgia three Pete? Man. I took a pause there for a second because I rightly, if I had a, if I had a question right now, if I had an answer right now, I would say right now it may be too early to say that. I would think it's too early. A lot of people are saying, "Yeah, sure, they're going to repeat." I mean, a three-peat. Look at them. Look at look what they have. You got to think though, just for a second. That schedule is fairly easy, true, but are they going to be battle tested enough? Two, three, Pete. My point is this: they're gonna they're gonna play a fairly easy schedule. Georgia fans, if you're listening to me, you're thinking, "Oh, it's not true." You know, deep down in your heart, it's true. It's a fairly easy schedule. You look at it and you think, "Oh man, I just came from playing Jacksonville State, and then I got to turn around and play Michigan in the playoff, right?" You know, like two weeks later. Like two, like two, literally two weeks later, even though they're playing Tennessee second to last week. But you know what I mean. You got to play Michigan a few weeks later, a month later. It, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. That SEC championship game will be very telling. I think it will be very telling. I think they will win out. They will make it to the SEC championship. And I think between either LSU or Alabama, which is the projected winners of the West, I think that's gonna that game is gonna be very telling for Georgia. If they are really going to three-peat, I think Atlanta will be telling. So will Georgia three-peat? I don't know the answer to that. However, I think that SEC championship game will be telling. Uh, and that I think that should give you your answer there. If they're battle-tested enough to win the, the national championship for a third straight year. So that's that will be the answer to your question. Just wait until this, just wait until the SEC championship in December. So that that is my, you know, my honest thoughts. Another Alabama question, is this an Alabama revenge tour this season? So this season, is this an Alabama revenge tour? A lot of people are doubting them, and a lot of people are doubting if they can actually, you know, if they can actually, you know, pick it up. They lost Bryce Young. They lost Jameer Gibbs. They lost Will Anderson. Can they, you know, get back to where they once were? You know, they lost to Tennessee and LSU last season. They lost two games. How dare Alabama lose two two games and not make it to the playoff and try to win a national championship? That's the standard that they have set themselves with. Alabama 
has had that standard ever since Nick Saban had been there. Um, if you want my opi- honest opinion on that, I don't think re- – I really wouldn't call it an Alabama revenge tour. I would just call it a, you know, a, a, a season where a lot of people are counting out Alabama, but I really wouldn't call it a revenge tour. Um, a revenge tour would be they lost the national championship and now they're just ticked off and they're ready to, you know, you know, unleash on everyone. I would count last season as an Alabama revenge tour more than this season, and then they failed. I would count everybody, I would count Alabama as the first time in a long time, you know, underdogs or, uh, you know, being doubted, you know. And, and that, that is something that Alabama hasn't been used to, and I think that's going to only fuel Nick Saban in Alabama, and Alabama's going to, you know, probably prove probably prove that, hey, we're still Alabama and we're still here. So I don't. I wouldn't count this as a revenge tour. I just count this as a. Uh, I would count this as a a reminder tour. If that makes sense, a reminder of we're Alabama, we're Nick's uh, that Nick Saban's our head coach, and we're still here. So that's that would be my answer to that question there. So that's a really good question. Ole Miss. This is an Ole Miss question. Ole Miss has the number one hardest schedule this season. How will this pan out? They do have a hard schedule. They have LSU. uh, They have Georgia. They have A&M. They have Auburn. They have Alabama. And they have Tulane. You're thinking Tulane. Arkansas as well. Arkansas is one they've had trouble with too. But you're thinking Tulane. Why would you think Tulane? They have a top 10 quarterback in Michael Pratt. (laughs) Michael Pratt at Tulane. Their quarterback is solid. He's one of the he's one of the, the most underrated quarterbacks in college football. It's I think it's I think it's in New Orleans. They got to go to New Orleans and play Tulane. They're the defending Cotton Bowl champions. Willie Fritz, head coach at Tulane, man, he's it's a solid team, a solid five team. I honestly think they're going to win the American Conference again. I really do. I think Tulane is a team to be feared in the Group of Five. I think they're a team that can that can give teams fits honestly and if Ole Miss does not come to play and not focus on Tulane and take and they, and they don't take them lightly Tulane will give them a run for their money and could upset them I think Ole Miss early on if I had to make my pick now Ole Miss defeats Tulane I favor Ole Miss in that game but Tulane is going to be a tough one uh they have LSU always going to be tough um, especially with the team they got going now with Brian Kelly entering his second season. Alabama, always going to be tough, obviously. Uh, Georgia, that's going to be tough as well. That's a game that's in Athens. They got to go to Athens to play. And it's the, the, the back-to-back defending national champions, Carson Beck, Brock Bowers. Uh, they got Bronson Robinson there, or Branson Robinson there. He is, they got a, a solid team still. They got Lad McConkey still there. Dominic Lovett still there. Ra Ra Thomas is still there. They got some guys, man. They got an off. They do have a low key good offense, and that's going to be you know a true test for Ole Miss there as well. So you got some teams there. You got Arkansas. Arkansas has been giving them fits. You got uh, KJ Jefferson back. You got Raheem, Raheem Sanders and a. Very underrated quarterback running back duo there, one two punch duo there. So if I if I'm all miss, I say they beat Tulane, they beat Arkansas, they beat Auburn, they beat I say they I say that they lose a close one to AM, they lose to LSU, they lose to Alabama, and they lose to Georgia. 
I said they beat Arkansas, they beat Auburn, they beat Tulane. But uh, if you want to have four losses, I say Ole Miss has four losses. I say they lose to LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M. I say Ole Miss probably closes out a lot of their other games, including Mississippi State. If you want to make an early pick right now, I'm, this is a preseason pick. I may change during the season, but it will be a close game. But I say Ole Miss edges State in the Egg Bowl. That's just not early preseason pick there. But hardest schedule, I say they lose four out of those games because of how tough those teams are going to be. So a uh, really good question there. Really good question here, and it's a HBCU question, which I am excited. We haven't talked about much about HBCU. So can Jackson State three-peat as SWAT champions under new head coach T.C. Taylor, former assistant coach to Coach Prime Deion Sanders after he, no, he got promoted to the head coaching job after Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, left for Colorado. Can they three-peat as SWAT champions? Of course they can. They got the talent. They got the facilities and talent thanks to Coach Prime. And T.C. Taylor was a phenomenal assistant coach. I think he will be a good head coach as well. I think Jackson's, this is Jack, I think this SWAT conference is Jackson State's to lose. Now, do I think they'll they could, they could lose a game or two? Maybe, maybe there's always a shot at that. But I think T.C. Taylor, as a, he's a solid head coach, and I do think that Jackson State can three-peat as SWAT champions because he, to me, is a solid head coach. So the question on that one: Can they three-peat as SWAT champions? Yes, I do think they can three-peat as SWAT champions. Very good question there. I'm glad I answered that one. Let's see. Let's see. We'll see what we got here. Let's, let's do a couple more, uh, 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 three more questions, and then we'll probably conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. So I want to do, let's do this one, and then we'll, do a, we'll end it with a couple of realignment questions. Okay, number two, or no, well, number two, well, the second, you know, SEC question, I guess, or a few, or, you know, second back to back, or, you know, second to last question. I don't know. I don't know why I said number two. I'm just saying stuff. So, what do you think would have to happen this season for Texas A&M to pull the plug on the Jimbo Fisher experience? Very good question there. Here's what I think would have to happen. And it just goes back to media days. If you look at what Jimbo Fisher said, was, I think our relationship's great. I don't know. I, I may let Bobby Petrino throw some suggestions in there and he may have, to, and he may can get to call some plays. When he said something like that at media days, that kind of took me aback a little bit and makes me start thinking about stuff. Because when he says stuff like that, we're fine. We're fine. A&M's fine. He keeps saying that and he keeps preaching that, but he says something like, okay, I'm going to hire Rob Petrino and then say, he's good enough to maybe throw some suggestions in there. You brought him in as the OC to call plays. You didn't bring him in there to throw suggestions out. That kind of worries me a little bit. So when you hear stuff like that, that kind of answers your question right there. So what do you think would have to happen this season for A&M to pull the plug on the Jimbo Fisher experience? Well, Jimbo still calls the plays. Let's Bob Petrino have no... No say in the offensive play calling. He's he's just there for fade to show face. Bobby Trino is just there to show face. And they have a season or a worse season like they had last season. I think that will be either A, they pull the plug, or B, 
the plug is has a little short in it, and they're start to put and they're and they're starting to pull the plug. If that makes sense, uh, that that answers your question. If they do not let Jim, if they do not let Bobby Petrino call plays, that will be my, you know, that to me is when they should probably either look look at trying to pull the plug on that experience for Jimbo Fisher. Good question there. I, I, I'm kind of skeptical about Texas A&M, to be honest. So that is pretty good. Now I know why I was saying second. I'll say this, I was saying second to last SEC questions, but we're going to get to the, this is the last SEC question before we move on to some realignment questions, and then we're going to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Question. That's why I was saying number two. My mind races a lot. I, I apologize. So... Who are your top play callers in the SEC? Good question there. Good question. Top play callers. Honestly, you're going to think I sound, you know, a little weird for saying this. Top play callers. I'm going to go with one offensive coordinator, one defensive coordinator. Uh, I really like Tommy Reese at, at, at Alabama. Honestly, I think that is a, I think it's going to be a very underrated coordinator job I, I i think he's gonna do really good for alabama i and, and, and alabama's offense is gonna like shock some people i honestly and i believe this they might lead the the sec in rushing as a team as an overall team i think they may lead the league in rushing i think they're gonna run the ball a lot more they're gonna be you know they're gonna ground and pound and they're gonna you know run the ball they're gonna rush the ball a lot more i think they're gonna lead the league in rushing so i like tommy reese as my offensive coordinator defensive coordinator I am really high on Matt House from LSU. I really like him as a defensive coordinator. I think he's done an underrated job at LSU. Uh, they had some moments where they gave up big plays, but late in the season, mid to late in the season, like mid to late season, they picked it up last year, and they did a really, really good job to become one of the most feared defensive teams in the league. So I like Matt House at LSU. I like Tommy Rees at Alabama as the OC, and I think those are my top play callers in the SEC. We're going to have to divide these questions up for next time, for next episode. So uh, we're going to answer uh, a couple more questions, and then we will conclude, and we will do a Q&A part two for next week's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. So here we go. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I am scrolling through some realignment questions. Okay. With the Big Ten expanding... What is the top three matchups you want to see in 2024? Okay. Top three matchups I want to see in 2024. I want to see Michigan and USC. I think that's going to be a very, very interesting game. I want to see that game. Michigan and USC, very top-tier programs. Lincoln Riley versus Jim Harbaugh. That would be very, very intriguing. Next, I would love to see Penn State take on UCLA. I would love to see that one also. I would love to see Penn State and UCLA. I think that'd be a very interesting game. That's two matchups there. And three, it's kind of hard to say the schedule because the schedule's got to get adjusted now that Oregon and Washington are coming in. So the schedule's got to get readjusted for them. Now, if I had my say, top three matchups, you're going to think we've seen this in the Pac-12. That's my. This is my third matchup. I want to see Oregon and SC in the Big Ten. I want to see it just because of the, you know, the rumors of, you know, what USC and Oregon are, you know, USC was kind of against Oregon and Washington coming into the Big Ten, and I would like to see that translate onto the field. 
So there's been some rumors about that. So I kind of want to see Oregon and USC play in the Big Ten. I think that'd be very interesting there. Those are my top three. I would like to see Penn State, UCLA. I would like to see Michigan and USC. And I'd like to see Oregon and USC play uh, in 2024. Good questions there. Very, very good questions. Okay, last question, and this involves realignment. How will the conference realignment affect the smaller leagues, particularly on the West Coast, like the Mountain West and the SWAC? Do you think those leagues will bump up some FCS schools if current members get poached by the Pac-4? Here is my, que- here's my answer on this. This is a very good question. How will it affect smaller leagues? I do not know how it will affect the SWAC, but I can tell you this. There have been rumors of a potential merger with the Mountain West as an option to merge with the Pac-12 right? Or pack four, as we can say. Um, right now, there's been some rumors swirling about uh, Stanford and Cal going to the ACC along with SMU, which is very interesting there. Um, but if, say, Stanford and or say Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal were to stay in the Pac-12, uh, I would say they merge. I could say the answer with that would be how it would affect the smaller leagues. They would merge with one league, right? I think that the FCS schools would have to be bumped up to some SWAC, to, to, like, to, to the SWAC conference. I agree with that. That is a, a good answer there. Um, you might as well bump up some FCS schools for the SWAC. I agree with that. However, make, make, it an, make some FCS schools and FBS school by bumping them up to the SWAC. But if you want an option and how it will affect the Mountain West – you can bump the Pac-12, or you can merge the Pac. You can bump it up. You can merge them together, and you can create a Mountain West Pac-12 merge conference, and have you know Boise State and uh, Stanford, uh, Washington State, Oregon State, all in the same conference. So I think if you want to talk about that, that would be a very good one and a very good a uh, you know effect I would say that would be the most likely effect a merger between the Mountain West and the Pac-12 and as for the the SWAC you probably could have to bump up those FCS schools you know and make them and turn them into FBS schools to you know you know add more so you know so it didn't take any more damage you know to Western Coast conferences that's a very good question there I like that I think that I think my answer would be a merger with the Mountain West and I think that would be a good option for the Pac-12 at this point so the Pac-12 doesn't go under so good questions there and we are out of time um I'm gonna get to a lot of y'all's questions next week there was a lot of you know a lot of questions and some answer. I hope I've provided some good clarity and some good answers to those questions. We're going to do a part two Q and a next Tuesday of pigskin frenzy. So again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch and listen to some questions and answers on college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below Spotify. If listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. Listening on there, Share around with others and follow on there as well. X, all you gotta do is follow uh, follow on there. Like the page there at pigskin underscore frenzy. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, all you gotta do is type in pigskin frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. And Instagram, all you got to do is type at Pigskin Frenzy, follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as uh, all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy, as well as trivia questions. And there's a bio about me on the page. So, 
Again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen. Uh, we will be back with another NFL edition Thursday. And we're going to, you know, we're inching closer to the NFL regular season, three weeks from the NFL regular season, and we are getting closer and closer. So, NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy Thursday. Until then, I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you then for another edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And for everybody out there, stay the course.